Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Are we ready? We are ready to talk lawns and gardens here on this uh, Saturday morning with uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, I do believe, is on the other end. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Denny. It's wonderful to talk to you. And me as well. It's uh, It's been a while. Uh, it has been. Well, we, uh, as usual, we're going to get real busy, as we always are, especially this, uh, this time of year. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let me give you the phone number which is also the text number. And you can ask your lawn and garden questions of Teresa via 651-989-9226. So, in fact, uh, Teresa, we already received uh, some uh, text messages already. Uh, anything new with you, though, before we get to it? How is your lawn and garden? Well, I know you you have a different kind of a lawn, don't you? I do. I don't have a lawn, but I do have a yard full of Right now, a lot of weeds. I have not been weeding. Uh, and, the, and they've loved the rain and the humidity, so it's just going crazy out there. But um, it's actually looking pretty good. I've noticed some of the apricots have been setting with the wind. Some of them have fallen, and, and the squirrels are eating them. But uh, And the cherries are starting to grow, so everything's looking really good outside. What about your yard? Did your um, evergreens make it through the winter? You know, in fact, they're looking better than good. ever good, compared good. to you know that the season or two ago. Yeah, the uh, boxwoods are really <laughs> the box looking good. In fact, the lawn, yeah, the lawn is is looking probably better than it ever has. I did some. Uh, now I know you guys always recommend seeding, uh, maybe August September, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, the best time mm-hmm. of year. But I needed time, to change yeah. some landscape, so uh, I uh, and my son helped me uh, get uh, prepare the uh, part of the yard that was not lawn and made it so strictly with seed products. And boy, does it look good. So I'm proud isn't of that, that. Isn't that wonderful? Well, congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it makes it. And plus, I don't know about you. Did you get a little rain today like we did? I, I don't know if I've gotten rain. I haven't even looked outside yet. Still in a wake-up mood and trying to drink the coffee. So I haven't. I looked <laughs> okay. outside earlier. There was no rain, but I haven't been out yet. But I do see it looks like a little gloomy out there. So it's very possible we could get some but rain. We'll see sunshine later, for sure. We will see sunshine, uh, yes. yes. And it's supposed to be a perfect weekend for being out in your yard and your garden. So now's a great time because we're going to get some really hot weather on Monday or Tuesday, I think. And that's really hard on you and the plants. So maybe don't be outside and working then just be outside and enjoy it now you're right uh, tuesday wednesday i believe it is is going to be in the low to mid 90s so keep yeah. uh, keep that in mind yeah. i'll tell you what yeah. uh, we have texters already Teresa, and callers as well let's uh let's see if we can't go to minnetonka i think jan has been waiting to ask you something there jan go ahead please 
Hi, Jan. Thanks for waiting. Uh, two questions. I have a peony that has not bloomed for a few years because it's in a shady spot. Do I have to wait till this fall to move it, or can I move it now? The you you. Uh -huh. Okay, so you could move it now. It would be better to wait till August, but if it hasn't bloomed, um, go ahead, uh, do it this weekend. I wouldn't do it when it's really hot. Uh, dig it up, disturb the roots as little as possible, uh, plant it in the new hole with a lot of organic matter, and if you do it really quick and, and without disturbing the roots, it may not even realize it was moved. But because it hasn't bloomed, I think you would be okay to do it now, and, and it would give it the whole season. August would be a better time if it bloomed, yeah. That's what I was hoping. Then I also have a number of jack-in-the-pulpits, and I would really like to propagate some for some friends for next year. Not quite sure how to go about that. That's a little, that one, I'm not 100% sure. Won't be blooming. They won't have their seeds till the fall. But what I would do is wait till those seeds are really red and really beautiful. And maybe just before it starts to get cold out, you may want to then, or before it frosts, you may want to gather those seeds and dry them. Put, let them stay in the house maybe for a week, dry them, put them in a glass jar, and then you could give them to your friends. Or what you might even want to do is propagate them uh, by doing a winter sowing because they probably do have to go through a winter stratification. I'm not 100% sure on that. So if you would do the winter sowing in January or February, and then you could just hand your friend um, a milk jug with some jack in the pulpits in it, uh, when they start to come up again in the spring, and then they could plant them in their yards. All right, very good. Uh, 651-989-9226, that works for either the phone call to Teresa or a text message like this text. How long, Texter says, Teresa, do you recommend picking my asparagus? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would probably let it, uh, you could probably get a few harvests. Uh, I would stop picking maybe the middle of July or about July 4th. And that just allows everything to come back up, get really nice and green. And all the green that you're seeing, all those leaves will photosynthesize and that energy goes right back into the roof to have a good crop next year. And that's the same with rhubarb too. You want to stop picking it in time so it, it can really go through like the second half of the summer into the early fall and middle fall and to get as much energy to regrow it, your food for next year. So that's a good way to think about it. All right, here's an interesting one. Uh, it says, do you know the formula of apple cider vinegar and molasses that you hang in your apple tree for cuddling moth? Mm, I Have do not know that formula. I don't know that there's a, a special like ratio. I think it's just the combination of the two. But I would suggest going to the Extension Yard and Garden line. That's extension umn.edu and click on the yard and garden tab and go that way and find that out. And coddling moths, you have to get those really early because they come in really early. They may have already infected your apples from what, what, is what does that critter do? What does that critter do? They lay their eggs right in the in that fruit that's just starting to form and then the fruit gets really rotted. So it's really worse than the maggot because the maggot just runs little trails through and then pops out. But that coddling moth really deforms and the whole fruit gets rotty inside and it's really nasty. So if you do have coddling moths, that is something you have to worry about. If you have a lawn or garden question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, we welcome yours. Uh, don't wait, uh, we, because we always tend to get busy just like we are right now. 651 
989-9226. Call it in or text it in, whatever is easy, easier for you. Let's see. Another text. Is there any herbicide that is safe to use in an established asparagus bed? Comes from Kevin. I would say no, but you could use a grass killer because asparagus is not a grass. But any broadleaf herb herbicide will impact your your asparagus. So you would have to use the broadleaf herbicide when the asparagus was not up and growing. So if you have a very, very, very I don't I don't know what you would have. So I would say no because you're probably trying to kill broadleaf weeds. Hand hand digging, hand weeding is probably your best thing in asparagus. You had mentioned I know we have to break quickly here, but uh, you had mentioned the website extension.umn.edu. I used that resource a couple of days ago looking up uh, trees and or shrubs. And that is a tremendous resource, isn't it? It is amazing, and and it's great for the beginner gardener, and it's great for the experienced gardener, and it's great if you just want to learn about a brand new plant, or you have an insect or a disease in your yard, or a plant you're trying to identify. It's it's everything. There's even landscape design on it. So pretty much the U's done everything for you. Yeah, you're right, and it's a good point. Whether you're a master gardener such as you are, or a, or a beginner, it's 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 great information. All right, I'll tell you what, Teresa. Let's take this break. Welcome our listeners to call in or text in their lawn or garden question for Teresa, 651-989-9226. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, welcoming your text messages and your phone calls. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. All right, Teresa, you're going to have to help me with this one. Uh, I'm going to read this text, and uh, I have a lot of my Latin I've forgotten but, uh, <laughs> it says we have a small patch of trifolia purpura. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. It says it looks like white clover, but with red leaves. Uh, this texture says it's a great ground cover and bees love it. Uh, texture says I would like to propagate it for more plants. How can I do this? Well, usually it just propagates itself all over the place. Um, you could also just transplant parts of it. That's probably what I would do if you want to propagate it. Just go ahead, since it seems like such a nice, dense dense uh, area for you, I would go ahead and just take out some of it, thin it out a little bit, take a few pockets, and then transplant where you want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Let's go back to the phones. We have a bunch of callers. I think Mark may be first here calling from uh, Maple Grove, I believe. Mark, you're on with Teresa. Hey, Mark. Good morning, everyone. Say, I've got a, a beet question for you. I've got a, a pretty good size in my garden uh, of beets planted, a 10 by 10 area, and I've got a lot of leaves. And I do understand that the leaves are, are delicious and good for you, but I'm wondering if I'm if too much of the, the plant is working on producing leaves, and I want to obviously, obviously maximize the, the bulb or the root. How many of those leaves can I trim back without worrying about damaging the actual plant? You probably want it. You can actually. Uh, you could probably take a quarter to a third of them, and then they will regrow again. So it's almost like a cut and come again kind of a, a process. So as long as your beets are are spread apart far enough so they can grow, and if they're getting full sun, uh, you know, take only a third or a quarter out at a time, and. Uh, They'll be fine. They'll they'll still have enough energy to grow your beetroot. And then once you're going to start thinking, okay, now I'm going to start harvesting some beets, then I would probably wait like two to three weeks um, 
back that up. Uh, don't like harvest any any you know give it two to three weeks after you've harvested. Uh, to let your beets get bigger and then stop harvesting your beet leaves um, when you start harvesting the roots. And you can harvest the, the smaller root beets and then the bigger beets. So you could do num- numerous harvests during your, out of your beet crops. All right, very good. Thank you, Mark. Again, 651-989-9226 if you want to phone in or text in your lawn or garden question for Teresa. Let's go to Bloomington. I do believe Bruce is there with a question. Good morning, Bruce. Okay. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Teresa and Denny. See, uh, Teresa, I've had a problem in the last couple of years with, with ants kind of taking over a good portion of my front yard. And there's, there's kind of a growing bare spot. Well, I, I did a chat with the uh, 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 master gardener at the University of Minnesota, and I recently purchased some of these ant killer granules. Mm-hmm. which I just put down yesterday. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how I should go about getting rid of the ants and then replanting some Sure. Mm-hmm. So what is if there's big hills, you could just manually remove those. You're going to be fighting with the ants. Understand that the colony of ants, you're seeing about one-tenth of, of their home. So there's like 90% that's underground. So there's a huge colony underground, which is, which is just wonderful. Ants are really good for our environment. They eat a lot of seeds. They clean up a lot of dead, dead critters. Um, so they're very good in that respect. They do move the soil around. So that's good, but they can be detrimental to your plants. Also, you want to thicken up your lawn. That's the problem why the ants are there. It's a really bare, dry, open area for them. So if you can thicken up your lawn. It's getting kind of late to do overseeding, so you may want to think about laying sod if it's a sunny area. If it's a shady area, don't do sod because it's just going to die. But you can try grass seed. It's kind of late in the season to do it. Um, otherwise, just, just thicken up that lawn, mow your lawn higher than, than you can, like up to three inches, so it grows up to four and back down to three. What you're trying to do is get as much shade on those roots and just make the lawn really thick so the ants have a really hard place to live. And if you can do that, that will really help. And those granules will help, too, because you'll see the ants re- resurge, re- re- reemerge again. So just follow the directions on the on the, um, on the insecticide. Good and you have, as I recall, Teresa, you put together a book uh, about critters. Did, did you not? Yes, that the was... Guide to Humane Critter Control. And... And basically, thinking about ants, since they are so wonderful in environment, you just want to make it not very fun for them to live there. So you want to have a nice thick lawn, um, mow it a little high. You want the plants tighter together. So there's just not room for ants to really come and grow, go that easily. And all that moisture from the from the leaves and the shade, they just don't like that either. So you want you want the grass to take the place of the ants. Because you'll notice ants are wonderful in your sidewalks because it's really dry and, and there's no competition there. So that's what ants like, no competition. No competition. And you're right about the, the mowing level. I, I, albeit I have to mow a lot or quite mm-hmm. often, uh, mm-hmm. it really makes a difference keeping it three to four inches. Uh, it, 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 it's a yeah. lot healthier. It's a lot healthier because you have more leaf for your roots for the plant to grow and absorb more, uh, do more photosynthesizing. And the higher you mow, 
up to a point, the deeper those roots are going to go. So, so you want those roots to go down as deep as they can. Turf graft doesn't have deep roots anyway, but you'd like them as deep as you can so that they could be more sustainable and more right. resilient to the weather that we've got. Hang on, Teresa. We have another half hour of the show okay. to go. I alert Jeff and Brian on the phone. Hang in there. And the texters as well will pick up on your questions for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney right after the break. On our Smart Garden Show, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney helping us out today. We have callers, Teresa. We have texters, a bunch of both. So uh, let's put you back to work here. 651-989-9226. Jeff, I believe, is next up. You're calling from Plymouth. Jeff, you are on Teresa with uh, Teresa here on CCO. Hey, Jeff. Good morning, Teresa. Uh, I have two questions. First one is, has the viburnum leaf beetle made it to minnesota because according to what i looked online it shows it's in michigan and i have arrowwood viburnums that have been totally defoliaged i don't know that for sure i would have to look up that um i would check the university website i haven't heard about that one yet but that doesn't mean anything i've been so busy at work i haven't been looking at mascar um so so I would check the university website. I have not heard about the leaf beetle coming in yet. The nice thing to understand about um, any of these these insects that just defoliate the leaves, they're usually there. They may lick your, make your plant look really bad for a while. Then the population um, pupates to the next stage or dies or lays eggs, whatever its life cycle is. Then your plant can regrow leaves again, and you just want to make sure that your plant is as healthy as ever so it can be really resilient. Um, and bring in as many birds into your yard as you can because birds will eat a lot of these, these beetles and these, these um, insects. So that's really good um, for, for just some natural critter control. Okay, yeah, because the larvae is like on the bottom of the leaves. Yep. So you'd want those birds that like to get in there and look. So I do not know about this insect, um, so I have to plead total ignorance on that one. Okay. I'm sorry. And uh, also on the ant uh, question, Mm -hmm. we have a berm in our front yard that has uh, perennials in it. Sure. And and a large boulder, and every year around that boulder, the ant colony seems to get larger and larger, and everything we've tried doesn't work. Right. So so in that instance, it's the boulder is keeping the soil really warm and dry. It's kind of shading some of the area from some of the uh, some of the, the moisture to stay there because the water also in your berm will disappear faster. You may want to try planting something really close to the boulder or just understand that maybe that's where the ants are going to be. You can also, of course, use insecticides if you need to. Um, you may want to try watering that area a little bit more, just make it a little more inhospitable for the, bee, for the um, ants. Uh, that may help. All right, very good. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. Uh, 651-989-9226. I want to go back to the text screen in uh, just a moment, but I believe Brian is calling in from Hutchinson uh, with a question. Hi, Bri- Brian, thanks for waiting, Brian. Hi, Brian. Thanks for waiting. Hi, good morning, Denny and Teresa. My question is, uh, uh, 13 years ago, built the house, and they were the landscapers were to have put in what was called a dwarf mugo pine, and it's not dwarfed anymore it's like six feet around and four and a half feet tall and it's overshadowing the two plant shrubs next to it um can this be trimmed back uh and if so how do you go about doing it like a haircut or 
go around the bottom and just take off uh, the outside ones? And can it be done? Do I have to wait till fall? Okay. Well, again, I would suggest going to the university website to get the timing exactly perfect. Understand that wherever you cut on the pine, it's not going to regrow there. So you don't want to leave like a big stick sticking out. So you want to do some selective pruning. And actually, 13 years and it's only that tall, that is a dwarf. Uh, those, the, the full-size plants want to be, you know, 30, 40 feet tall. So mucopines pines are big plants, but the dwarf ones do stay smaller, but they still get fairly large. So, yep, you need to do some pruning. Um, when it starts to candle, you can actually start cutting off some of that area where it's candling a little bit, and that will slow down the outside growth. So that's the new stuff it's putting on at the end. You just cut those off. You can cut them off or you can cut them back by a third or half, and that will slow down the plant growth. Um, and then just do some some strategic pruning to maybe just shape it a little bit. But yeah, you wouldn't just want to give it a haircut because that's just going to like dead, put a bunch of dead sticks on the outside. So it's going to be strategically going back to a main branch and cutting that part off. And you want to limit it to about a quarter um, of the whole plant at any one time. So you may have to do this over a number of years. Hmm, okay. And let's not forget the textures either. Uh, here's one, uh, Teresa. Can I start chopping back tulip and daffodil leaves, or what do I do? Well, there, there's no laws that says you can't, so yes, you could. Is it the best time to do it? No. You'd want those leaves to stay out there as long as they're green. They're green, they're photosynthesizing, they're bringing energy into your flowering for next year. They're bringing energy into the bulb. So as long as you can handle looking at those wilty leaves, that's good. Once they start to yellow, you go, you can go ahead and cut those back. And where you're seeing areas where they're still just kind of looking kind of rough, but they're still really green, that might be an area where you might want to think, hey, I could plant a perennial here that will kind of cover those leaves a little bit and give me some more interest. So that could be something you want to think about. Maybe I could plant something in this area that's not going to need a lot of water, that's going to be wonderful and complement and take the blooming into the next season after the daffodils are tulips. All right. Here's another text for you, Teresa. It says, why, uh, actually probably means what, uh, what to do about the aphids eating my perennials and annuals? Okay. Aphids are sucking insects, so they're not eating it. So if you're seeing holes or leaves disappearing, that's probably not aphids. Um, if you're seeing just lots of little insects and they're all along the stems, then they are sucking off the juices. You can spray them off with a sharp stream of water. Um, you know, when rain comes in, insects know rain's coming so they can hold on tight. But if all of a sudden you spray them, they don't know the rain's co the water's coming so they can fall to the ground. They will come up again. That's a possibility. So you may have to do it a few times. You can also just spray them with soapy water, um, insecticidal soap in, in the water mixed as, as you should, as, as the instructions say. That will work, too. Uh, you want to remember that um, it, soap is a poison, so you don't want to be spraying when there's bees around or other kind of pollinators. So you want to time it maybe earlier in the morning when, in, when the pollinators aren't out are not out or later in the evening when the pollinators are not out. But if you're just spraying with water, you can spray anytime. Okay. 
Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Anne, I believe, is calling from Montemita with a question. Anne, you are on CCO with Teresa. Hello, Anne. Well, actually, I'm calling to break. Um, I have lady slippers. Yes. And I have three stems that have double blooms on them. I've never oh, how seen beautiful. them before. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, you could you could contact, um, uh, I'd start maybe with the university. Uh, let mm-hmm. them know. I don't know if that's a special kind of lady slipper. I'm not that familiar with lady slippers except to know that they need extremely specialized environments to grow in and and that the showy lady slippers are the state flower. That's my knowledge. But I'm so I'm not that familiar with this the flowers, but they sound absolutely gorgeous. And I would definitely be taking pictures and posting those pictures too. Right. Very good. Texter says will using cedar chips cause rust disease in my perennials? No. Uh, it will not cause it. However, if it's really humid and you're watering a lot, or if it is really humid, that may end, that may add the area, add more humidity to the area, so rust could come in and be happier living there. But the chips themselves don't cause the rust. So, in case you're thinking about cedar rust, which is on. Uh, two different kinds of plants like apples and cedars. Uh, that, But the chips themselves won't cause the rust. Oh, good. Good to know. Uh, before we break, let's uh, grab another phone call. I believe Judith is calling from Minneapolis. Judith, you are on CCO. Oh, she's, she's gone, but we have many texters and callers as well. So, Ju- Oh, Judith is back. All right, well, let me give you the phone numbers uh, before we take Judith's call. 651-989-9226. Good morning, Judith. Hi, Judith. Thanks for waiting. Oh, hi. I've got six or seven amarillos, or whatever you call them. They've Amaryllis. They're already <laughs> bloomed, but they have all these beautiful green leaves on them, and I thought you're supposed to wait till they die off, but they're not dying off. <laughs> Do you have them sitting outside? No, they're sitting right in a row on in my front window. Okay, so you're right. You would want to wait for those leaves to die back. They're just getting a lot of sun. They're really happy. You can think that all that energy is going into next year's flowering. That will help. If they're taking up too much space, if you can set them outside in a shady area, uh, you could even, that would be wonderful. Um, just treat them as a house plant outside. You want to adjust them to getting outside. Uh, and then you can eventually move them into a full sun. They may stay leafing all, almost all summer long. Then you can bring them back in. Otherwise, you should wait until they start to die down before you before you let them go dormant. You are correct. All right. Very good. Teresa, we'll take a quick break here and be right back with more phone calls and text messages. We call it the Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday morning in the 8 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Teresa Rooney, who is our master gardener, helping you out today by phone and by text. Let's grab a text before we go back to the phones, Teresa. Here's one. It says, is it okay to split my hostas now? I know they're tough plants. That comes from Mary. Yes, it is okay to go ahead and split your hostas. You can split those on daylilies pretty much any time as long as they're not blooming. And with hostas, even if they're blooming, the earlier in the season you can do it, the better, because then you don't make the leaves as ratty and they'll they'll 
they'll send out new leaves and you'll they'll look just beautiful. If you wait till midsummer and then you're digging them up, lots of times you just damage a lot of leaves and they look really bad for the rest of the year. It's just totally appearance. It does not matter. So hostas, if they're growing, if they're alive, you could divide them pretty much anytime you'd like. Sure. All right. Let's go back to the phones quickly. Anne is calling from Spring Lake Park, I believe. Anne, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning, Anne. Hello. Hi, Ann. Hi. Um, oh, yeah, Dan. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, Dan. Sorry, sorry, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'm just a gardener. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I recently planted two clematises from a local nursery. I have no luck with them. I am not a master gardener, but I can grow your normal stuff. Is there anything to even get me going? I did watch a show on Channel 2. They laid out some parameters, but it's just not working for me. Okay, what what kind of problems are you running into with the clematis, Dan? Well, I planted them. It said to go two, three inches down. Yep. Uh, I uh, uh, got their Lady Diana. It's okay. It's supposed to be a... Uh, Texas or something hardy for this climate. I can't even get them to start going up. They've kind of just stalled. Okay, so when did you just plant them this year, Dan? Yes. Okay, so these these are okay. These are baby plants. So with clematis, you want to plant them a little deeper than they are in the pot. You've done that. And now you want to think, anytime you plant a new plant, the most important thing, and this is something gardeners have a hard time sometimes thinking about, is the root system because they have to have really healthy roots. So right now they're just, they're in a plant shop, so they're kind of just like, whoa, what's going on here? And then they start sending out new roots. You may not see a lot of top growth the first one or two years. That's totally normal. But you will see some. You just want to baby them, keep them well-watered, take care of them. They'll come up slowly. They'll start growing, and then you can help them to climb on on whatever they're going to be climbing on. They'll be fine. But the root system is really important, and all that happens underground, and we just have to be patient. So so you're doing everything right. It'll be wonderful. They'll be fine. You'll do fine. And there's no such thing as just a gardener. Gardeners are all amazing people who cultivate wonderful beauty in the world. So there's no such thing as just a gardener. You're doing fine. Just be patient, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh, here's one you get all the time. Now, this question comes uh, via the text line. How do I keep the rabbits and deer out of the garden? Oh, joy. So when you're planting a new garden, you always want to, as soon as you plant something, and if you know you have a rabbit or deer issue, you've got to put up fencing. You've got to protect that plant. Uh, plant, uh, go to the, uh, there's a book called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. That is a book you can get online for free. And that will give you a list of deer-resistant plants. That will help to plant the right thing in the right spot. Uh, With your new plantings, you want to protect them from the rabbits. Usually, as the plants come up and get growing, you can then take down the fencing because the rabbits have found other things to eat. They'll eat other plants. They don't normally go for your larger plants, your established plants. Now, remember, if you've planted shrubs, 
and new trees. You want to protect those in the fall from deer and rabbits and bulls because those will be wonderful, delicious things for them to eat in the winter. If you have a bunch of lilies that you've planted, you want to protect those in the fall because they come up early in the spring. And that's when the rabbits are going to see them first before you even know they're coming up. So you have to be a little proactive. And if you can just protect them till they get up and growing, they'll be fine. Deer are another issue. You've just got to plant the plants they really don't want to eat. Hope yeah. that helps. All right, we have just a couple minutes to go, uh, okay. Teresa. But let's 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 see if we can't get Kathy's call uh, in uh, New Brighton. Uh, Hi, she's Kathy. Waiting. Kathy. Kathy, what's your question, Hi. please? Hi. Hey, I've got a I've got a damp, uh, dappled willow bush, and it's it's really out of control. So I was I was uh, reading, and it said, "What's the difference between pruning and shearing?" Because I've never pruned it. Okay, pruning is like into your hairdressers and getting a brand new style. Shearing is like going to your hairdressers and getting a trim. So shearing, you would just be cutting off the new growth on the edges. Pruning is where you go back and take off a little bit more. With your willow, you can be pretty radical in your pruning. As long as it's an established plant, it'll be fine. And pretty much any time of the year, you can prune your willow. So that, that should help. And just prune it to the size and shape. Uh, willows grow fast. They they are a fast-growing plant, so you can do some aggressive pruning on that. Okay. Here's a text that says, how can I get rid of powdery mildew on my peony and cucumber plants? Okay. So those plants, along squash, they just lend themselves to powdery mildew. They have leaves, and they just it's just what they get. Uh, it's Pretty much just a cosmetic disease. However, you can make sure that the area has a lot of air circulation, a lot of sun. When you're not, when you do water, you want to water early in the morning so the leaves dry off quickly in the, in the early morning and they don't stay damp. When we get the humid weather and the continual watering, that's when the moisture can sit on the leaves and that's where the, the powdery mildew lives. It's a mildew. Uh, you can also, you can spray with things, but usually you don't have to because they're not going to damage the plants that much. You can also, if you want to, um, this almost sounds counterintuitive, but spraying water directly on the powdery mildew will kill it. However, if you don't change the conditions of those leaves, the leaves will stay wet, say, like a week from now, and they'll just get powdery mildew again. But lilacs and flocks and, and peonies, they, they're just prone to powdery mildew. Prone to that. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Teresa, we're out of time. It was okay. great to talk with you again. It was we'll, good uh, to talk, talk to you. We'll make sure we do this again. Of course, our show will be back next week. That was uh, okay. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, here on 830 WCC. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.